Cube Radio. You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabriel Gélina. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the 23rd episode of the Car Guide Podcast. My name is LP, and Gab is with me virtually uh, this time <laughs> because our new studios are being uh, completed in the next few months, and we had to kind of relocate Uh, in our own uh, homes uh, for the moment. We wanted to keep the video, so uh, bear with us if we have any problems with the uh, the mics. I think, I think we've been working on it for the last half hour. Uh, Gab, uh, it's not the same as usual. We started filming in the studio, now we're filming at home, but uh, it's still it's going to work out for the next uh, few episodes, and then after that we'll be back in our uh, brand new, brand spanking new studios uh, here in Montreal. Um. A couple of things to discuss today, actually, because it's our first episode after the holidays uh, and uh, there is uh, quite a bit that happened. We're not going to go over CES and everything that happened uh, at the beginning of the year because everybody knows about that. But a couple of news, uh, namely the uh, Chevrolet Equinox, uh, the 2025 model is just out. That's the gas model we're talking about. Uh, also, the uh, Golf GTI, who uh, lost uh, something and gained a couple of other things. We want to talk about that. Uh, also, the Porsche Macan, uh, electric Porsche Macan, and a new Tesla, affordable Tesla, uh, $25,000 Tesla. We want to talk about that, see if it will really happen uh, this time. Uh, Gab, uh, let's start with the Equinox. Um, yeah, well, you know, the Equinox, obviously, the, the bread and butter for every manufacturer these days are the SUVs, and the Equinox is a big uh, player for, uh, for Chevrolet, for General Motors. And now what we've got right. is a new... Uh, updated, I should say, uh, model for 2025. So uh, we're looking at three models, also two gearboxes and one engine. Uh, yeah. That engine, of course, is the 1.5 liter turbocharged uh, power plant, which is sort of like carried over. But I think the big news yes. is the fact that uh, the base model loses uh, the six-speed automatic transmission to gain a CVT, a, a continuously variable transmission. Exactly. Well, actually, uh, the, uh, the 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 six-cylinder was was throughout the uh, the um, uh, the lineup, and then uh, now it's an eight-cylinder for the all-wheel drive model and the CVT uh, for the front-wheel drive model. I think you model. mean eight-speed, not cylinder. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, eight speed. Yeah. How many cylinders in the transmission? We don't know. <laughs> the eight speed transmission, yeah. you're correct, is uh, is uh, for the all wheel drive models yeah. and uh, used to be a six speed. It is an old transmission, so it wasn't very, very uh, efficient. Uh, like you said, the three models, LTRS and Active. Active is uh, the more adventurous, quote unquote, uh, uh, model, which is which is new for the Equinox. But as you know, Chevrolet's SUV lineup. You know, there's everything in there. The Trax, Trailblazer, Equinox, we're talking about now, Blazer, Traverse, Tahoe, Suburban. There's something for everybody and every budget. And they kind of have to shuffle everything around and offer, you know, front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive. But trying yeah. to keep it affordable 
is going to be a challenge because now we're starting at the LT model and there used to be an LS model, which is supposedly the, the, uh, the, the affordable one. So we'll, we'll see about the pricing. I haven't, we haven't received any pricing so far for the, for the new Equinox, but, but we'll see where this LT model, the front wheel drive uh, LT model starts. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, obviously the car now has a little bit more presence. It's a little bit wider. So in terms of look, in terms of stance, it looks a little bit more, you know, uh, a little bit more macho, so to speak. And of course, yeah. I think the, the, this new active model, they're sort of like following the trend because when you're looking at uh, a lot of manufacturers in the SUV segment now, uh, they're trying to, to come up with, you know, a more off-roadish look for some yeah. of their models. Uh, we've seen it with Mazda, with the CX-50, the Meridian, the Apex. Um, we've seen it, with, of course, with, with Subaru, the, the wilderness editions of the uh, Crosstrex and uh, Outback. So in a way, uh, with this active uh, new model that uh, Equinox is putting uh, forward, you know, it's 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 more like a, a more of an off-roader look. I'm not sure if it's going to have you know quite a different mechanicals or anything like that, but definitely it's going to look a little bit more rugged than yeah. the uh, the base models. Yeah, definitely. I don't think it, uh, it it'll go very far, and it's probably some drive modes there. I heard about drive modes like snow modes and stuff like that. Um, I you know we we spoke about the, the last time that the GM was kind of phasing out the uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Yes, and that's something got, that got people talking a lot because people got a, got used to them. I mean, I know you you told me right away yeah, yeah. That this is the first <laughs> thing that you do when you get into a car, and that's important to know, right? Because For sure. Uh, um, it was on the Blazer, the, the uh, Blazer EV that I that I drove, and uh, which is uh, still still under a stop sale, by, by the way, because mm-hmm. they're figuring out some problems. But I spoke to someone at the Equinox uh, presentation, and they said, "Well, the Equinox, the gas Equinox, for now, is keeping uh, the Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So it's I, I believe GM is probably just phasing out, you know, the newer EVs now because it's got all kinds of EV functions that Google built in." That, that they did with, with General Motors is probably uh, uh, more focused on EV vehicles. But for now, it's still available on the Equinox. And that's something that's important to mention because mm-hmm. uh, in the compact SUV segment, I think people uh, are used to these uh, 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 softwares and, and, and to, to you know, getting in the car and plugging in right away. Yeah, I think, well, you know, it's a good thing if they, if that vehicle still keeps that, because I'm sure uh, a lot of the, a lot of the users like myself have gotten, you know, very much familiar with uh, Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. And, yep. you know, the fact that, again, we spoke about this at length the last time, the fact that GM is going in the other direction, I think is a, is a bit of a mistake. But then again, you know, that's, that's their way of looking at it. And they've we'll got leave their that reasons. To them. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Um, second order of business, uh, we, we knew that was going to happen with a Golf GTI, that uh, the manual transmission was going to go. I mean, every time we talk about a transmission leaving, we, we kind of uh, have a little, little, little radiophonic uh, funeral about it. That it's, you know, I, I'd always uh, uh, grind my gears, uh, so to speak. Uh, but uh, obviously, the 2025 GTI is out. With, it's kind of a halfway step. Uh, a refresh for the for the GTI. Uh, obviously, lost the the uh, the transmission, the manual transmission, as we said, but gained a couple of things. I mean, the first time I I, I sat in that generation and I, I really liked the GTI, the way it drives. I think it's 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 a wonderful car. But the first time I sat in it, I noticed the screens and the plastic, and it didn't have, you know, this generation didn't have the prestige inside. 
that mm-hmm. the other generations had. I don't know what's your opinion on that. Yeah, a little bit like that because you know all these uh, capacitive touches on the on the steering wheel and things like that, uh, and the, the new uh, the new layout also for the uh, for the uh, interior. You know, it, yeah. it took a lot of getting used to. I mean, in a way, the only good thing about the uh, new GTI's uh, interior was the fact that they they kept the plaid seats. You know, <laughs> that you could still and get that. They're going to take that away from us <laughs> at some point, right? Because they took the, the gearbox. Yeah, <laughs> so well, they might as hopefully, well that hopefully that that keeps on. That's that stays alive. But yeah, you're right. You know, right. the big drawback is the fact that they're they're losing the the manual gearbox. Of course, it's a trend. You know, in in a way, yeah. one of our colleagues, uh, Marc Lachapelle, always says that uh, manual gearboxes are going to become an art form in the future you know it's going to be it's going to be a certain flourish for certain types of cars you know personally i don't think a mustang will ever be available without you know a manual gearbox i think there's there's some a couple of cars like that that will continue uh, with a manual gearbox or at least i hope they do um but the fact that we're losing the the manual gearbox on the gti i think that's a you know that's that's a big that's a big one to swallow because that yeah that gearbox that car is made for uh, for a manual gearbox you know that's that's, that's what it's all about and 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 the, the the golf ball shifter and all that stuff you know that's that's it's part of the DNA of the GTI signature exactly right right so the um, fact that we're losing that if you know we get a power bump that's great but you know you get yeah. a power bump every time they redo uh, they redo a car these days but the fact that we're losing the manual gearbox I think is a uh, is is something to shed a tear over. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, power bump, you said, is uh, 19 horsepower. Uh, it's, it's a considerable bar- power bump, obviously. What I like about that car, too, is that the torque that it outputs is very well managed by mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the torque steer is practically inexistent which is for a front-wheel drive car is, is is something to say i think i think uh, uh volkswagen engineers did a really good job with the gti keeping yes. it you know on track and if you you keep adding power and adding torque it's it's and you can keep it on the road straight without the torque steer it's 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 something mm-hmm. of a feat for the engineers yeah. um you spoke earlier about the the haptic uh, c- commands on the steering wheel well the buttons are back for mm-hmm. this for this uh, little uh, uh mid-cycle uh, refresh so they kind of heard people i think saying <laughs> that oh, we don't like these buttons it doesn't work yeah. for the steering wheel it's just you know aggravating so maybe they just put back the bottom the, the buttons for that uh, a new screen uh, that's a kind of different orientation, but it's pretty much the same, uh, the same, the same layout for for that. Um, uh, so hopefully we could get our hands on a on a refreshed model and see how how those, you know, obviously only test drive the the automatic uh, the, the uh, uh, automatic transmission, but uh, see how the new experience for the driver is inside the new GTI because it's a driver's car. And yeah, exactly. And you know the the thing about the the steering wheel buttons. I mean, perhaps it's going to be easier now to to control the different functions of of the car because with the older model, you know, sometimes you'd like turn into a corner and you know without realizing it, you're hitting a button uh, just as you're turning the wheel, and then you're you're, you're switching. Uh, the setup of your car or, the, or the, the track you're listening to or things like that or volume. So that was a bit of an inconvenience and annoyance. But now I think it's going to be a lot better with these uh, with the new buttons are actually going back to uh, yeah. the more familiar kind of setup. Uh, 
And uh, so Tesla, finally, yes. uh, a couple of news. Uh, Tesla loves to use little code names for the new new vehicles. Uh, you remember the Model 3 was the Highland yes. uh, project and now the Redwood project, which is, we assume, is going to be the Model 2 affordable $25,000 US uh, vehicle at Tesla. It's the one we've been waiting for forever. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, yeah. everybody's looking for that affordable EV um, that's going to really make, you know, a significant different. I mean, you know, the Model 3 is a nice car. It's affordable. It's all that. But, you know, when you're looking at the world well, market, you it's know, it's like anymore, you still in Canada, it's like it starts at fifty five thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's true. But at any rate, what, what I'm saying is that Tesla doesn't really have a choice. You know, they have to go in that direction with a smaller car, uh, more affordable. Why? Because the Chinese are doing it. And exactly. The Chinese are doing it. They're doing it well. And the Chinese are coming. You know, we all, we know this for a fact. There are already, uh, Chinese car brands that are on sale, uh, in Europe, different countries in Europe. Uh, yeah. They're on sale in North America, in Mexico. That's not too far away. And it's only mm -hmm. a question of time before uh, Chinese-built EVs come to uh, North America. And I'm talking about Chinese brands because China's-built EVs, we already have them, the Polestar yes. 2 <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, for, and, and a, a, few other, a few other models that are, that are built over there. But I think it's only a, a question of time before there's a, a, an onslaught, literally, of these, these Chinese brands, these Chinese car makers. And of course, they're going to go... They're going to be very aggressive on price and they're going yep. to have the, the kind of offer that uh, everybody's looking for, you know, an affordable uh, EV. When you look at, you know, we've, we've saw the, we, we saw them in uh, different auto shows uh, in Europe, the, the, the BYD Seal, which is uh, yeah, that's equivalent, what I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, yeah. The equivalent of the Model 3. Uh, yep. And uh, they're, they're doing really well with that car over in Europe. And now it's just a question of time before they introduce uh, smaller models to the European market. And that's what Tesla and pretty much everybody else is going to have to, to respond to, you know, Volkswagen, even with their, uh, their concept, you know, uh, of the ID to all, you know, a smaller, uh, smaller electrical vehicle. Right. Um, so everybody's going to have to, to, to get into that, into that segment because the yes. Chinese are, are just going to uh, own it. You know, yeah, you, you you mentioned it uh, when we went to Europe this year with the Munich yeah. Auto Show, the Munich Mobility uh, Show, and uh, you know, like Chinese brands were all over the place. They're 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 fixing to take over a lot of market shares for the affordable cars, but inevitably they're going to make their way to North America, and they're probably it's probably going to start with with us at some point because we're you know I'm talking about Canada, but also Quebec. You know, a very small market car, a uh, lot of incentive, a lot of government incentives. I mean, they're, they're, we're going to be able to put our hands on these models pretty quickly. I think b before the rest, you know, Cal well, California also, but, but you know, we're going to be able to see that. And it's coming uh, sooner than later, as you said. And I think, you know, Tesla always has, like any manufacturer for, for that fact, always has to have something new coming. Now they have to assemble the Cybertrucks and not only the expensive ones, you know, like the $100,000 ones, okay, but it's a pretty expensive truck to assemble, just like every other manufacturer, legacy manufacturer assembling electric cars right now. It's, it's, it's a challenge. And, you know, they have to 
keep confidence with the manufacturers when we said BYD sold more cars than, than electric cars than Tesla exactly. last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, investors are, you know, getting, what, what are you guys doing? You know, like we, you need to keep up with the pace, keep up with something new. And then Tesla decided to say, well, let's just do exactly like them and, 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 and you know, uh, beat them at their own game with, mm-hmm. with, an, with a, a very small, affordable car. Now, are the first models that are going to come to North America are going to be the $25,000 ones. I don't think so. It's going to take a, a few years. It's always going to be the, the, the upper trims, the more that, uh, that, you know, the more profitable ones, as we see with every other model. But uh, in the end, I mean, I think, you know, for myself, in my opinion, I always wanted to see, you know, to have uh, an affordable EV. And even with all these announcements, they're hard to come by. They're hard to get. Yeah. And, and but, they're never in the uh, dealership lots. You know? But they're going to have to come because, you know, when you see... Uh, all the government uh, mandates, you know, to phase out internal combustion engine cars in a relatively short space of, uh, of time. You know, we're talking about 2035 for some some markets, 2040 for others, but it, around that around that range, that's yeah. pretty darn quick. And um, if you're going to phase out uh, ICE cars uh, in every segment, that means you have to offer. EVs in every segment, and right now, what we've seen with EVs is um, very much the high end of the of the market. I mean, Tesla started with the Model S, you know, mm-hmm. they, they 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 started with a BMW competitor almost, you know. So uh, now it's a situation where a lot of the manufacturers have, have gone EV in the premium segment and the SUV segment. Now we need to get it into the uh, the small, you know, affordable cars. And and that is going to make a, a difference, I think, because right yeah. now, when you look at the price of EVs, yes, there are, there are incentives, but they are way, you know, way more expensive than internal combustion engine cars. And like that, you know, there's not much offering in terms of a small car, you know, sure, there's the Chevy Bolt, there's the Nissan Leaf, uh, right. but those are, you know, outliers right now in the in the EV space because everything else is a is an SUV or mm-hmm. a, a luxury car, or you know, uh, if we're talking about luxury or or even performance cars, you know, Taycans and what have you. But right. um, yeah, we d- we need we need those small affordable EVs. Uh, talking about not small and not uh, affordable EVs, uh, the well, actually, the Porsche Macan is not that big, yeah. but still, it's going to be very expensive. And now, we just saw the the hundred percent electric model. It's been teased, you know, mm-hmm. around, and we we you know we we one of our colleagues got to got to ride in it a couple uh, uh, a little earlier last year, and now this new hundred percent electric Macan is out. Yeah, it's it's you know what what's interesting here is that. You know, they're obviously the Macan is going to full EV, but Porsche, I think, is being pretty wise in that they're going to keep the current generation Macan yes. uh, with the internal combustion engine. Uh, and that's still going to remain to be on offer for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, which is a smart play because, you know, when you, it's a hugely popular model line, actually, it's the best selling model line the for Porsche. Model, yeah. You right. know, over 800,000 they sold in, 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 in the vehicle's history. So, you know, it, it's, it's wise that they're bringing in the new one as an electric, but they're going to keep making, you know, the, uh, the current, like I said, gas powered one for, for a couple of years. Right. That's, that's an interesting, interesting play. Um, with regards to, you know, the, the new EV, we, we knew it was coming. You know, it's, I mean, this car has been 
teased and, and talked about for so long. And we were actually expecting it sooner than, than right now. You know, it's coming as a 2025 model introduced in 2024. Yep. And, but I think we were expecting it, you know, almost like a year ago. And it's been, I, the point I'm trying to make is that they've been talking it up for so long over, uh, over at Porsche. And now it's finally here. And it's built, of course, on the new, uh, PPE premium platform electric, uh, platform that is being shared with, uh, Audi. Uh, that platform is also going to underpin the, uh, the Audi Q6, uh, e-tron. Right. Um, but the Macan EV is the very first vehicle that's going to come to the market based, uh, based on that, that new architecture, that new platform. And, um, but man, is it ever going to be expensive? I mean, the, <laughs> the price for that thing with the, if you're looking at the, uh, uh a well-equipped model, I mean, we're well north of a hundred grand. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. it's an ex- it's going to be an expensive vehicle. Yeah, the the uh, the gas Macan got more expensive a year yeah. after year. I mean, I, I was looking at the prices lately, and like even the base model, like a T model, was like five thousand dollars more. Just 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 a difference price from twenty twenty three to twenty twenty four, which mm-hmm. is you know, do people really care in that you know that the buyers for specific buyers for the the uh, the electric Macan are they going to be they're not going to be exactly the the base, you know, the base buyers of the of the Macans that we see everywhere on the road now. It's going to be a little bit a little bit different that they might be ready to to kind of dish out the cash for this uh, for this for this for this electric Porsche, which is not you know which is not the Taycan, right? Yeah, exactly. One thing is for certain, you know, with with the Macan EV, you're going to get a ton of power, a ton of of torque as well. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the base model, the Macan 4, 402 uh, horsepower, and uh, with the uh, the Macan Turbo, 630 horsepower. I mean, that's that's mega, and, mega yeah, power. And, and 833 foot-pounds of torque for that model, which is... For that you know, model, which is... Yeah. Absurd, you know, I mean, not absurd. I mean, it's it's nice to have, but I mean, at one <laughs> point you get the feeling, you know, how, enough's enough, you know. <laughs> you right, know, right, 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 right. Who, who uses I mean, all that torque? And, yeah, well, you know, torque, torque, torque is uh, good for acceleration and stuff, getting off the line, merging on the highway, passing maneuvers also on secondary roads. Yeah. Uh, torque comes in handy then. But, you know, one thing is for certain, this vehicle is going to be still is going to be very heavy. It's going to go through tires like crazy because of the weight and because, of course, in terms of the, point. Uh, of the turbo, if you're using all that torque all the time and all that power all the time, you're going to go through tires you know, much, much quicker. So if you're used to driving around in your Macan S gas power, then you switch to the Macan Turbo EV. Yeah, be prepared to double your, uh, your, your tire budget. Uh, Exactly. <laughs> just just because the thing is so is so heavy, you know, right, just, right. The, the tires are, are going to wear out much quicker. And especially if you use up uh, the performance, you know, that's uh, something interesting you just said, because uh, uh, I was speaking to people in Germany when we traveled there a couple of times last, last year. And <clears throat> they were talking about the Autobahn with electric cars and saying how, you know, the, the speed with EVs is going to dramatically reduce because people want to keep their range. And exactly. when you're flying down the Autobahn at uh, 260 kilometers an hour with that, that heavy vehicle, that's not where it gets its most, you know, it's, it's not very efficient at that speed. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, exactly. So, but, so you know, the, the thing about it is, you know, we talk, keep talking about the Autobahn and uh, no speed limits on the Autobahn. Yeah. And, 
And we've we've both done it. I mean, my personal record is 330 kilometers an hour on on a German autobahn. What was the But, car? Just as though. <laughs> oh my god! It was years ago. It was a it was a um, a uh, SLR McLaren SLR Mercedes Benz or Mercedes Benz oh. SLR McLaren uh, convertible. Oh, you were well down. equipped. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, what I'm the point I'm trying to say is that. <clears throat> There's not going to be a need for Germany to introduce speed limits on the autobahn because, you know, of course, the Green Party in Germany is is really pushing for that. They're they're pushing for 130 kilometer an hour uh, speed limit all over uh, as the maximum speed uh, everywhere in Germany. Right. Um, a lot of the the manufacturers and a lot of the public are very reluctant to that. They want to keep the uh, the open speeds and things like that. But what's really going to kill the open Uh, high speed on the on the autobahn is the electric car because, yep. like you mentioned, if you're going to drive an electric car down uh, the highway at that rate of speed at over 200 kilometers per hour, for example, um, yeah, you're going to deplete your battery real quick, yep. and you're going to be charging more often, right? And you're going to be looking for those high speed chargers, and you know, obviously, <clears throat> with the new Macan, they've got the um, In Europe, they've got you know 400 volt uh, charging stations, so you can you know yeah 400 the, kilowatt the, uh, yeah 400 uh, kilowatts yeah sorry. yeah that's uh, crazy but exactly yeah, I, so I, I, if you've got that kind of that that kind of setup yeah you can <clears throat> you can add to your battery quickly and you know you can be gone you can be uh, stopped for like 20 minutes or so or, and 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 get pretty close to maybe not 100 but certainly wait you know 80% or something like that of range with that kind of power delivery yeah. that kind of uh, that kind of supply but <clears throat> you know the thing is those are not available everywhere obviously and uh, so with regards to to this kind of this kind of power and and this kind of charging It's going to be technically possible to do it, but you know, will you find uh, a 400 kilowatt charger here in North America? You know, they're they're coming, but they're not they're not everywhere right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> you would talk about charging, and one of the things I like about the current Taycan and probably this this architecture as well. I was reading up on it, and it reaches up to 272 kilowatt, you know, of, of charging power, which is. <clears throat> astronomical because let's say a tesla will go to 25 uh, ionic 5 which is an awesome platform will also go to 20 something uh you know cars that are not very good at it like the bz4x and and the soltera will go 100 which is it makes a big difference obviously if the car is set up and the battery is at the right temperature that's that's where you get that's, it but i, I tested it myself with the with the the, the Taycan and in montreal we had a uh, a 350 kilowatt charger and this one just topped off at 272 by the time we were you know done with uh going to the bathroom and getting a snack it, you know it was it was already to 80 and we started from 10 you know so so that's yeah, exactly it's a key thing i think for uh these vehicles that are non-compromising and very expensive you know the people that are spending the dollars for this these vehicles they don't want to spend the time at the charger right so the, the technology has to go Uh, first with these vehicles probably and then trickle down to the more affordable ones to, to, to be able to, to you know to offer people decent charging times obviously you charge most of the time at home but but like yes. you said if you're going on the autobahn or you're just speeding through the highway you're going to need to to charge a couple of times before you can get to your you know get back home obviously and and then you want to you don't want to spend too much time there 
I think also the, the key thing that we have to look for with regards to EVs is to try and, um, you know, obviously, if you're going to go to a high speed charger, your battery has to be sort of like preconditioned. It has to be at a certain temperature. So it's able to, to accept that kind of load, that kind of current quickly. And, you, you know, obviously if your battery's cold it's, and you plug it in, it's not going to charge yeah. right away at, yeah. at, at that rate. It's going to take a while before it creeps up. But the key thing I think is that, you know, we're, we're one thing that, manufacturers are looking at right now and working on is to lower the the temperature at which the battery can accept those high levels right. of, of current right and i think porsche they're they're working on you know lowering the optimal temperature for uh for for full power delivery from 35 degrees c to 15 degrees c which is going to make a big difference mm. in terms of being able to recharge at high speeds right away as soon as you plug in with the highest uh, possible uh, rate of charge. Right. So, as you know, uh, Gab, at uh, Toyota Lexus, there is the Highlander, the Grand Highlander, and the Grander Highlander, which is the Lexus <laughs> TX. Uh, we all know that uh, the Grand Highlander and Lexus TX are very similar vehicles. They're, they're based pretty pretty much on the same thing. But, uh, it, you know, the, the Lexus TX has a bolder grille, bolder looks, just like it does with, when we compare the Toyota vehicles with, with Lexus vehicles, as well as different technologies inside, different buttons, different touches. But it's essentially the three-row SUV, the family three-row SUV uh, of the Lexus lineup. Um, I got to, uh, to, to take it for a drive, uh, it, uh, a couple of weeks after I tested the uh, RX, which is the 400, the 450H plus, a vehicle that I really enjoyed, by the way, really, really, uh, uh efficient, well-built. Um, and, uh, I was hoping to get more time out of that vehicle. And I think the TX is, uh, uh in a different class, meaning that it's a more of a family vehicle. It, it has the same, you know, it's it's the uh, the same assembly quality, the same the same Lexus, everything. But being uh, one of the, uh, the the journalists that drove the Grand Highlander uh, last year, I think it looks very much uh, the same on the inside. Uh, the seating is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the, uh, the the overall disposition of the elements is the same. So it's really a question. It's exactly the same engine. I have to mention that I t- I drove the TX three fifty, which is the base model. You have the, uh, the 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 hybrid model as well as the five fifty H plus model, which is the plug in uh, model for the TX. I, I got to drive the TX three fifty, and it's powered by the uh, four cylinder two point four liter turbocharged engine. Uh, develops 275 horsepower. And it's funny because 275 horsepower with premium gas in the TX. And then I drove the Grand Highlander, which is the same engine. It's 265 horsepower, but you can put regular gas in it. So, so yeah. basically the, the 10 horsepower is a trade off. If you want to put, you know, premium gas or not, it doesn't make much difference. Um, it's one of the vehicles, and I, I, it's one of the vehicles that I find that Lexus and Toyota did very well with a third row. And I don't mind, I don't care for third rows. I don't have a family or anything. And I, but I always take the time to go sit in it. And mm-hmm. it's one of the things that I really appreciated about, about the uh, Grand Highlander and the TX. 
Well, that's the thing. You know, you mentioned the third row. The Toyota, of course, has the Highlander and the Grand Highlander, the Grand Highlander being the, the three-row vehicle. Right. And after driving both of them, you get the feeling like, who's going to buy the Highlander now? You know, if you're, <laughs> if you're in that market. the best space in the, in the third row. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have the best space in the third row. But at the same time, you know, it's, a, it's one of those things that's like nice to have kind of thing. You know, the, the, the couple of times where you're just driving a bunch of kids around or whatever. Um, you know, obviously the, with the, with the Grand Highlander, you can put that third row down and still have the same kind of like cargo capacity as the, as the Highlander. Right. But you have that flexibility. You have that added, that added third row. So to me, it was like a bit like, well, who's, who's buying the Highlander <laughs> now? You know, now that the Grand Highlander is, is available. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, and, and the Grand Highlander starts at, well, in Canada at $53,500, and then the TX starts at $71,500. So quite a markup. Quite a markup yeah. if you want the Lexus. I mean, we, we've, we've talked about this. Lexus buyers, they want Lexus. They don't want necessarily Toyota. Yeah. They want the reliability, sure. but they want kind of the Lexus look and technology and feel inside because, like I said before, we've changed some plastic with soft touch surfaces and and some buttons and it's a, it's a premium ish interior not as i didn't enjoy it as much as the rx's one but still still a, a very 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 uh, very very good lexus type uh, uh signature in it uh but there is that different in price and the the model that i drove with all the bells and whistles in it that that you know we needed was a eighty one thousand dollars so I mean, considering, you know, I was speaking to another colleague saying that, okay, minivans are getting very, very expensive as well. Uh, if you're looking for something a little bit more bold, a little bit more, you know, upscale, obviously uh, the TX is a good option, but consider also the Grand Highlander because if you're not looking for all the little, you know, the technologies and stuff, and you basically have the same engine and the same output ish okay. if, if, you, if you put premium gas in it. Uh, so overall, a good drive. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, Lexus quality is always, always, uh, always on par. But still, uh, there's a Lexus vehicle that you're about to drive, just about to drive, that I'm much more interested in than, than the TX, and I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, Tucson, Arizona, to drive the new uh, Lexus uh, GX, and um, you know, it, it shares uh, the its architecture with the with the current uh, LX uh, 600. But, you know, a very bold, modern kind of style for, uh, for the new, uh, the new GX almost looks a bit like a Land Rover, you know, could be at home in the, uh, in the, in the, yeah, exactly. In the Land Rover lineup kind of thing. So, um, but of course, you know, it's, uh, it's a new vehicle. So it's wider. It, it rides on a longer wheelbase. Uh, there's a new, uh, 14 inch touch, touchscreen, things like that. And of course, uh, three rows. So uh, again, uh, we can go uh, all the way up to seven or six or seven, depending on what what the second row is uh, configuration is. So again, this this also this model is is made you know very much for off roading. There's 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 going to be some variants uh, that are going to be called over trail and over trail plus. And I think they've got some sort of off road. Uh, section for us to drive, so we'll be able to put it through its uh, through its paces. Um, but in terms of the the, the the mechanicals, we're looking at basically one uh, one engine, 
so there's no more uh, a V8 engine for looking at a twin turbo 3.4 liter V6, mm. 349 uh, horsepower, 475, 479 sorry, uh, pounds-feet of torque, and a 10-speed automatic transmission. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And of course, with the Overtrail and Overtrail Plus, we're looking at uprated uh, towing up to 8,000 pounds, and while the others are limited to 6,900 pounds. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what this vehicle can do in terms of off-roading. Not not that I think that a lot of Lexus owners actually go off-roading with their SUVs, right, right. <laughs> but at least they're going to be able. To, there's those two models that are going to be look uh, looking even more rugged. Uh, perhaps than the than the base uh, GX offerings, mm. so um, we'll be going down to uh, Arizona to drive that, and we'll be able to report on it uh, at a later date. Cool. Uh, for my part, I saw a vehicle already, the uh, Mazda CX seventy. I know how fond we were from uh, for the CX ninety. Uh, I can't say anything about it because it's under embargo. We'll be able to talk about it next week, but a lot of people know already what's what's going to go on with this vehicle. It's going to be the midsize uh, for the new generation of Mazda uh, CX SUV. So I'll be able to talk more about that at that point. Um, so thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Apologies for the sound problems if there are any, and uh, we'll be able to... Uh, 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 fix a few of the glitches maybe on the next episode next week in a, or in a couple of weeks uh, you can follow us obviously on carguideweb.com for everything we spoke about today and on social media Facebook uh, Instagram and TikTok as well so thanks for watching and we'll see you on the next one so long and take care thank you for listening to the Car Guide podcast don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like Visit us at carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide.